Uh, let's pray together with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And we pray that for all of us. We pray that for Artessa, and we pray that for so many others that are uh, struggling with different ailments and need your love and healing. And we continue praying through your word in Psalm 37. Do not fret because of evil men. Do not be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will, they will die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Lord, we are so grateful and thankful for the assurance that this psalm gives us. Help us not to fret. Help us to rest in you and trust in you. Lord, certainly this morning we come to you like children in the arms of a father who are open to welcome them and embrace them. We thank you for bringing us this far in our lives and as a church Lord, there have been twists and turns and ups and downs, but through it all, you have been faithful. Lord, your purposes go far beyond our understanding. We know that you have shaped us through our families and our circumstances and our events and our people that are in our lives, and we know that we're on earth just for a short time, so we want to be wise with our time. We want to impact the world for you, so we thank you for allowing us to be a part of what you're doing here in World Golf Village and around the world, and we pray this all in the name of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our purpose is going to come up on the screen. And for some of you that are new here, we just like to say our purpose each week because we're not a country club. We like having a good time learning about God together, but we are on mission as a church. And this is our mission. This is our purpose. So you say it with me. It's to reach and transform people by the power of the gospel in biblical community. And we are talking about biblical community this morning. We're talking about the Bible. We have defined what a disciple is over the last few weeks here at Good News. And a disciple is a follower of Jesus who loves Jesus, who loves one another and loves the lost. Those are the three great loves. Loving Jesus, loving one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and loving the lost. And today and then the weeks to come, we're going to be talking about how, how we can love Jesus more. And the point for this morning is that I believe the Bible is God's word because Jesus did. Now, that's a bold statement for me because for a lot of my life, I didn't even know what the Bible was. I grew up in a home where if there was a Bible, I don't know where it was because I never saw it. I don't remember seeing it. A few times I would go uh, to church, the Catholic church. I remember seeing Bibles in the pews there with my, with my grandma. I remember picking up a few times as, as a boy and looking through it and being like, wow, 
this is just really confusing. I don't know what's going on here. This doesn't make any sense. And so as I left my home in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and came here to Flagler College to, to play baseball, to party, to have a good time in college, reading the Bible was nowhere on the agenda. That was nowhere part of my plans. But God had other plans. And I'm so thankful that he did because my roommate was a really strong Christian. My, the best friend on my baseball team was a really strong Christian. The girl I was chasing after was a really strong Christian. And I saw the joy in their life. And I'm so thankful that I got to experience that, that they were living out what Scripture said in their lives so I could ex experience what Scripture was, even without ever opening up the Bible. And my roommate one night had a chance to share the gospel with me. I'm going to share with what he, what he said this morning, and I know some of you are thinking, well, Andy, we hear the gospel every single week when we come to good news. You do it in different ways, but we hear the gospel. Why am I hearing the gospel again? Well, the reason why we share the gospel each week is for several reasons. One, we get new people that come here all the time. For some of you, this is the first time you're ever going to hear the bad news and the good news of the gospel. And so we always want opportunities for people to hear what the gospel is. Second, people need many times to hear the gospel before they respond. And so for some people, it's their fifth, seventh, tenth time, but they never respond to the gospel. So we want to continually share. Third of all, we all need reminders of the gospel, don't we? I mean, it's the bad news, but it is the good news. And I know as I go through my week, I need a reminder how good the gospel is. And fourth, we want you to be equipped to share the gospel. So when you go out this week into your world and you hear your coworkers or your fellow students talking about troubles that they're having in their lives, you have an answer about how they can overcome those troubles. If you have some people in your life that are struggling with, 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 with things, whether it be addiction or financial trouble or their kids or relationships, and they come to you, you know how to share the gospel. You've heard it over and over and over again. So we want to equip you to be able to, to do that. And so my roommate, he shared with me that there was bad news. And the bad news is that I was lost. I mean, that's what it says in, in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And that was me. And that may be you too. Lost in the biblical definition means that you are, are counting on your own strength, that you've sinned against God many different times, many different ways like I have. And you haven't recognized that there is a seeking and saving Savior. You haven't recognized that Jesus can take those sins from you. So that's the bad news. But the good news, like he shared, was that in Christ I can become a new creation. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it, it says that therefore if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And I was so excited to be a new creation because even though I was accomplishing the things that I was accomplishing, all the things that I wanted to do, I was thrilled to be able to have the hope that they had. And maybe you're needing that hope too. You can put your faith in Christ right where you are. It's just about telling God that you're going to surrender. That you don't want to be your old creation anymore. You want to be a new creation. If you need help with that, come and see the prayer team. Come and see me after the service. We'd love to help you know who Jesus is. And when I heard that story, I, of course, wanted that. Because I had seen the joy and the peace and the love in all these people's lives. And I wanted that so desperately. 
And so when I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, my roommate didn't say, okay, now you need to get, got to get a Bible. You have to read it. That's what you have to do. He, he didn't say that. I got a Bible. I don't even remember how I got my first Bible. But I got a Bible, and he showed me just to start reading in the book of John, and I just started reading it. And I didn't have to be convinced that it was God's word because I had already seen the evidence of how it worked in people's lives. And I just wanted to get to know Jesus better. And as I read scripture more and more, I I came to realize that I could believe the Bible is God's word because Jesus himself did that. He believed it was God's word. You know, 78 times in scripture, God quotes the Old Testament. Here's every single one of them right here. 78 times as God was walking around earth as a human, he quotes the Old Testament. And he quotes it when he's starting his formal ministry. He quotes it as he's being tempted. He calls upon the power of Scripture. And some of you are thinking, well, yeah, he's God. Of course he was quoting Scripture. But he was also fully human. And he needed the power of the Scripture in his life. And so as he's proclaiming the parables as he's uh, talking about even difficult things in the Bible. He, he, quotes, he quotes scripture. You know that uh, Jesus believes that Jonah was in the whale? He actually quotes that. And it reminds me of a story of a, of a girl that was in a, a classroom and they were talking about blue whales. And the little girl raised her hand and said, Mrs. Smith, I believe that a person lived in a blue whale for, for three days. That's, that, that's Jonah. And the teacher said, no, that can't be true. There's no way that Jonah lived. No one can live in a blue whale for three days. And the little girl said, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him all about it. And the teacher just snarked and said, well, what if Jonah's in hell? And the little girl said, then you can ask him. <laughs> anyway, I couldn't help myself with that joke, but the point is, is that is that Jesus believes the, God's word, and he quoted that. And he quoted about it when he returned. And he, he quoted about it when he was on the cross. He quoted scripture when he was about to ascend into heaven. All throughout scripture, we see the power of that. In John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus said, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. These scriptures testify, uh, which testify of me. In John 20, says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life through his name. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so the main scripture this morning is from, is from Luke, and I love Luke. I named one of my sons Luke, and he was a great physician. He was a great historian. He, he's one of my heroes, and I love his gospel because he writes it with so much detail because he was a doctor. I mean, you want doctors to pay attention to details, right? I mean, that's, that's what he did. He, he paid attention to all the details. And as he was traveling with Paul, he, he interviewed eyewitnesses of the cross, 
uh, of the resurrection. He wanted to get the story right because as the first generation of witnesses of the cross of Jesus and his resurrection began to die away, there were all kinds of tales and fables and myths that were being raised up about the life of Christ. And so through the power of the Spirit working in Luke's life, he set out to write a gospel that was meticulous in detail so that he could show all the early uh, believers in the church about what Jesus did. And so as he was interviewing others, as he was talking with others, he wrote down all of the details so that he could be able to proclaim the truth. And so this is the beginning of the Gospel of, of Luke, the first four verses. It says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been filled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those uh, who from, uh, from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write down an orderly account to you, the most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Now, it's really interesting that it seems to be written to this most excellent Theophilus. Now, scholars and theologians have debated over the years of who is Theophilus. And there's really two camps, really, um, of who this person was. One, Theophilus was a very common Greek name in the first century. And so many scholars believe that he was a Roman official. He's called most excellent. Uh, Luke is lifting him up in a place of honor. And he might have been Luke's friend that he's running into. He might have been a high official that he was hoping he'd get the word of God to. And then the word of God would go out among uh, the Romans. But he's sharing that with this person, Theophilus. Now, the other camp of theologians believes that this is actually a code word. See, if you break down the word Theophilus, Theo means God, and Phyllis means friend. And Luke was one of the first Gentile believers. See, when Jews came to faith in Christ, they called themselves God-fearers. But when Gentiles came to faith in Christ, they called themselves friends of God. And so some scholars believe that he was writing this as code. He was saying, hey, all you friends of God, here's what's going on. Here's the account of Jesus. Either way, he was writing down an account to show uh, what Jesus did. And he's writing down this account, and as you read through the account of Luke, and I really encourage you, if you could ever sit down and read the whole book of Luke all at once, it takes about two hours to do, to see the whole story. It's really, uh, really powerful. I know some of you are thinking, how am I going to get two hours by myself to do that? But if you can set time in your schedule and schedule it out, you can do it. And you get to see the story of Christ unfolding. And one thing in there you see very clearly is that Jesus believed that the word of God he believed it. He believed that the word of God is powerful. He believed that it, it has a, a right to command belief and action in our life. And that's why I believe that the Bible is the word of God, because Jesus did. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible says that it's actually God-breathed. Theonuma. That's the Greek word. And it literally means the breath, pneuma, of God, Theo. And that's how he hands it down to us. That's how he works through Luke and so many other writers of the gospel, that he gives us everything that we need. And we should believe it that it's God's word because Jesus did. 
But there's also other things that I think are really interesting that allow us to believe that God's word really is true, that the Bible really is God's word. I think first, it, it really fits in our world. I mean, even in a sin-scarred world, when we look around at creation, it can be unbelievable, right? I mean, look at these, these pictures of mountains or, or sunsets or look at like these majestic animals. They're amazing. And the Bible says that they reproduce of their own kind. And that's what they do. And those animals do that. Humans do that, right? I'm so thankful to reproduce of our own kind. That would be totally shocking if you're at the hospital and all of a sudden you had a tiger. That would be crazy, right? We reproduce of our own kind just like Scripture says. Throughout Scripture, it talks about how there's sin. I mean, do we see that in our world? Do we? Okay, good. I thought I was the only one that was like experiencing a sinful world. Yeah, we all experience sin. Sometimes my wife, Christy, and I will watch those shows 48 hours, and it's amazing how much sin is in the world when you see those shows and you see the things that happen in our world. And the Bible all throughout Scripture talks about sin. It fits into our world, and it relates to our life. I mean, there's so many different topics about Scripture, and I just have to reel these off for you because it relates to every area of your life. Scripture talks about marriage and divorce and remarriage and adultery and sex and lust and greed and guilt and materialism and uh, generosity and healing and hope and forgiveness and parenting and prayer and friendship and pride and obedience and heaven and hell and lying and murder and suicide and rape and fears and doubt and miracles, love, hate, money, criticism, creation, government, submission, rebellion, peace, leadership, comparisons, joy contentment, sacrifice, patience, faithfulness, enjoying life, self-control. You know, it even talks about watching The Bachelor on TV. Do you know that? Well, it doesn't actually do that, but it does talk about pain and suffering, which is basically the same thing, right? (laughs) It talks about all those different things. The uniqueness of the Bible is so amazing. I believe first and foremost that the Bible is God's word because Jesus did, but the the way that it relates to our life and the uniqueness of the Bible, that 773,693 words here in 66 books, um, which would take the average person about 70 hours to read aloud, by 40 authors, over 1,500 years, written by politicians, by statesmen, by farmers, by shepherds and pheasants and musicians and poets and even a tax collector, written uh, in all different sorts of places, by Moses in the wilderness, by Jeremiah in a dungeon, by Luke while he was traveling, Paul while he was in prison, written by John while he was on exile on the Isle of, of Patmos. It was written on three different continents in Asia and Africa and Europe, written about, written about all those different people, all different kinds of situations, yet there is one theme throughout Scripture. And that's God sending his son Jesus to redeem all things and that he is going to come again. Isn't that amazing? Over all that time, 1,500 years, 40 different authors, all different places, all different backgrounds. We have one theme. I have a hard enough time keeping one uh, thought in in line for 10 minutes. And here they are through the power of the Spirit. We can believe that the Bible is the word of God. Because of the uniqueness of it. Because how it fits in our world. Because of the archaeology that we find around the world. I find this absolutely fascinating. That all these things, I know you can't read all these, but these are all different ways in Scripture. And this is just a part of the list. 
about places that have been found through archaeological studies. Like the royal palace in Babylon where King Belshazzar held the feast and where Daniel interpreted the handwriting on the wall. They found archaeological evidence about that. The house where Peter at Capernaum where Jesus was healed, where, he, where Jesus healed uh, Peter's mother-in-law and others. They found evidence of that. Where Jacob's well where he spoke to the Samaritan woman. They've actually found that. They, the pool of Bethsaida in Jerusalem where Jesus healed a crippled man. Herod's palace at Caesarea where Paul was kept under guard. They found all these things. In fact, the former president of the Jewish Theological Seminary, uh, Nelson Gluick, says this. He says, it may be stated categorically that no archaeological discovery has ever gone against a Bible reference. It's amazing. We have all this amazing evidence in archaeology and through our own life and through the uniqueness of it. But first and foremost, I believe the Bible is God's word because Jesus did. And as you look at what Luke said as he wrote down all the details, you'll see how through Jesus' life, he always elevated all scripture. It's not just the New Testament. It's not just the red letters. It's the Old Testament and the New Testament, all of God's word. And he constantly was quoting God's word. He constantly was using it in his own life. And he's using it in the lives of others to encourage. He also believed that the apostles were speaking on his behalf. That as he was leaving his earthly ministry, the Holy Spirit was sent and the Holy Spirit worked through the early believers in Christ to, to write the epistles and to write the encouragement uh, that was to so many different churches. He worked in and through all of those uh, early believers, early apostles. And Jesus himself believed that he was the climax of all scripture, that the whole story was written about him and what he has done, that the whole Old Testament, all of the sacrifices that were made, the pigeons, the doves, the goats, the sheep that were slaughtered were all pointing to Jesus. I mean, imagine if we did that here still at Good News. You guys all came in, instead of holding your coffee, you're holding your animal ready to be slaughtered. And I had to slaughter the animals as a sacrifice. This whole place would be totally different, wouldn't it? But he did that as a for a purpose. That this wasn't some accident. He, he did all those sacrifices. He had all those recorded. He did that in the way to sacrifice for sin because Jesus was going to be the final lamb that was to be slaughtered on our behalf so that we could have hope and life and joy and forgiveness. All of it pointed to him, that he is holy, that he is awesome, that he is mighty, that sin is hideous, and that we need a savior. It's all pointing to him, and that's what Jesus believed. He believed that the Bible is the word of God, and we should too. That's why the action step for this week is to read, believe, and adopt. That we should read the Bible. Do you know that 95% of Christians have never read through the whole Bible? Now, I know it's more than that here, good news, right? It's less than that. You guys have all read through the scriptures. If you haven't, you have an opportunity to do so. Just, just start, on, on, uh, start unpacking it in your life. Start reading through it. That's why we give you these studies. If you haven't got one for this month, make sure you pick one up. There's a personal study that if you've gone through the study this month, you've already read through uh, 1 Corinthians. If you went through last month, you read through Romans. We're going to have you read through the scriptures this year because we believe that it's powerful and we believe that there's, there's uh, power in God's word. And so we want you to read it and we want you to believe it. 
Jesus believed it. He believed the word of God. He believed the Bible was the word of God, and, and he believed it commanded action in our life, and it could make a difference. And we want you to adopt it, that his belief was it was God's actual word, that we get to hold God's actual word. We get to read it. We get to treasure it. Do you? See, there, there are some times in my life I know that it just sits on my shelf. There are times where I'm not picking it up, where I'm not reading it, where I'm not ad- adopting his belief because if I believed that it was God's word, I would run to it all the time. But in the midst of our busyness, in the midst of our sin, sometimes I don't do that. And maybe you're in the same boat, but I want to encourage you that this week to, to read it and to believe it and to adopt it and, and to share it with others. That we wouldn't just keep it to ourselves. Remember what Romans 10, 17 says? It says that we have to share. And that when we hear, uh, that people come to faith by hearing. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. As I saw those people in my life at Flagler College, they showed me what it was like to live out the word of God. But they didn't just stop there. They actually then shared the actual words of the gospel. And so our life should reflect what's going on in Scripture. But then we also have to share the words of hope because we believe that Scripture makes a difference. I'll share an example of that in closing with a story of a, that happened um, earlier. Uh, the, the article is from earlier this week, but it happened a few years ago about a man in Sudan named Yasser. Yasser came to faith in Christ in Sudan. He became a Christian, that he was able to hear the word of God from some missionaries, and he came to faith in Christ. And that was so important for him because he and his family had been persecuting Christians. He'd been arresting Christians, and he had actually been killing Christians. And so when he came to faith in Christ, it made a huge difference in his life. And his uncle, who is not yet a believer, was still continuing the family practice of arresting believers. And so his uncle was outside of a gathering of believers, a church service, where the pastor was, was preaching. And for whatever reason, we know the reason, though. It was God working in his life. He decided to wait till after the church service was over. Normally, he'd just storm right in. He would arrest the pastor right there on the spot. But he waited until after the service. And as he was waiting and listening, the pastor was, was preaching from Acts. And he was preaching about the story of the conversion of Saul. About Saul, how Saul was killing and persecuting uh, men and women that were believers in Christ. And after the service, Yasser's uncle went up to the pastor, instead of arresting him, looked at him and said, why are you sharing my life with everyone? How do you know my story? And the pastor said, it's not your story. This is the story of Saul who through God's goodness, became Paul, a follower of Christ. It's, it's right here in God's word. And he showed him right there in God's word what it said about the life of Saul. And Yasser's uncle looked at the pastor, and he couldn't believe what he was seeing. And for the next two hours, the pastor explained the gospel to him. And the uncle came to faith in Christ. Shortly after, after he put his faith in Christ, he was the one that was thrown into prison. And he says it was some of the best times of his life because he had so much joy about Jesus working in his life that he shared with all the other prisoners. And many of those prisoners came to faith in Christ. See, it's the power of God's word. See, I believe that 
the Bible is God's word because there is amazing evidence through archaeological studies that it fits into our life, it fits into our world. I've seen it, how it has impacted people, how it's changed people. There's amazing evidence of that. But primarily, I believe that it's God's word because Jesus did. So why don't you read it and believe it and adopt it and change your world. Let's pray together. Lord, I am so grateful that you've given us your very word. I'm so grateful that when it goes out, it doesn't return, return void. I'm so grateful it's moved in so many of our lives. Lord, I pray maybe for some people in this room that have been excited about reading your word, but maybe for a while, for whatever reason, they're going through a season of, of being stale towards your word. I pray that this week you would spark something inside them, that they would pick up the study, that they'd pick up your word, and they would be excited about how you're going to speak to them uh, this week. Lord, help us to read it and to believe it and to adopt it. Lord, there are many people in this community that have no idea who you are. And the only way they're going to find out is through the way that we apply our lives, apply our scripture to our lives. Lord, I pray as we're reading our Bibles, as we're reading your scripture, Lord, help it to change us at our core. In Jesus' name, amen.